Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. I want us to turn to three scriptures this morning, please. Uh, one is Matthew 24. Second is Matthew 6. And then the third is the book of 3 John. Of course, we're talking about the source of our supply. If you want to subtitle this morning, it would be, Are We Really Trusting the Lord? Are We Really Trusting the Lord? As I shared with you last week, um, you don't remember, each of these Sundays are going to connect to one another and everything will be important. So do your best to stay connected. We're going to read from Matthew 24, first of all, and then we'll, we'll read verses 1 through 14 and then verse 24. Matthew 24, begin with verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Many will be offended. It does say that, doesn't it? Many will be offended. So it seems to me like we having a word from the Lord like that, we should protect ourselves against being offended and stumbling. He already told us it's going to happen. It's just a matter of whether you're going to be a part of that crowd or not. You know, you find out today it's very easy to be offended. It's very easy to carry chips on your shoulder. Very, very easy to stumble. It's easy. It's so available. If somebody breathes on you wrong, the potential to be offended. It's amazing. It is amazing. So we have to guard ourselves where that is concerned because it is very easy. And when we become offended and stumble easily, it puts us in a place of vulnerability where the enemy is concerned. So we have to make up our minds not to stumble. Hallelujah. You say, well, they do this. Well, you know, be a big boy or big girl and get over it. That's all there is to it. We got to grow up. We have to grow up. Period. Amen. So Jesus said that many will be offended. And what will happen when that when that happens? They'll betray one another and hate one another. Betray. So loyalty just goes right down the tube. It means nothing anymore. It's amazing. Folks, the scriptures are unfolding right in front of us. 
And some of us don't even realize what's going on. All right. So he said that many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Here we go. Many are going to be deceived. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. We go down to verse 24. Jesus said, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. If possible. It's going to be strong deception. Interesting. Let's go back to Matthew 6, beginning with verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will put, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Some people I don't think need to answer that. (laughs) Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Then third, John. Nobody asks what chapter anymore. (laughs) Beginning with verse one, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do to the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. I always thought over the years that that seventh verse was very, very interesting. That there were people that went out from God to do his work. And they 
honored the name of the Lord by taking nothing from the Gentiles. That's interesting. Anyway, um, yesterday I had a, some interesting conversations with some people. And uh, I was listening to one person talk. And they were talking about how glad they would be when things got back to normal. And that they were ready for it and couldn't wait for stuff to get back to normal. And I thought to myself, we can't sit and just wait and expect stuff to come back to quote unquote normal. People are being conditioned right now. And many of us don't even know that we're being conditioned. We're being trained to think a particular way, trained to act a particular way. And my gut feeling and sense is that if you don't rebel against that, if people as a whole don't rebel against that, that there's not going to be any returning to normal. Hear me. This is important. And, and we, there's, there's, there's something that's like a, or there's a herd mentality that's been formed. And we've been all trained or being trained to think the same way. And being trained not to get out of the box. And if you get out of the box, they're going to look at you like you're crazy and talk, give you crazy looks. It's like there's some people from New York. One guy I was talking to and talking about how it is that masks are literally all over the place. And that it's difficult to go anywhere and buy anything without one. And if you just happen to go out without one, all the ones that have masks are looking like you, at you like you are you fell off the moon or something. And so the pressure to conform is there. And see, I don't know. I, I was a quiet guy for most of my life, and for the most part, I still am. But one of the things, and even in my quietness, that I rebelled against was just being like everybody else to be like everybody else. I just, for some reason, didn't think that was right. And so I didn't want to be afraid to be who I felt I should be on the inside and then express that on the outside. And I believe that that's something today the Christian people really, really, really need to think about. Because the conditioning is happening. And as I walk around every single day and as I look at what's going on, I'm watching more and more and more and more people are just kind of falling in line. With herd mentality. Well, that cow's going that way. This one's going that way. I guess we all supposed to go that way. Even if we're all going to fall off the mountain, but the group is going that way. And I'm seeing more and more the church has got to wake up. Amen. And you got to be different. If what is being put out there are not the convictions of our hearts and of the word, you got to rebel against it. Now, some people may not like this, you, I'm, but I'm going to tell you this is what I've done. I do it. You know, I, I go to Walmart, you know, 
occasionally. And there are these, I mean, it's like people are being conditioned to come in the store a particular way and out of the store a particular way. Well, I see them little blue pieces of tape there. And instead of walking all the way down to the end. <laughs> and one lady one day said to me, oh, 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 sir, sir, that's for your safety. I just kept walking. I said, thank you, ma'am. So I said, but you're disobeying authority. Yeah. What authority? What authority? An authority that is trying to tell you and get you ready to be conformed to something that you're not going to want to be conformed to. And see, just like fear, everything is dependent upon your thinking and my thinking and what I choose to believe and adhere to. People got to see that this is what's going on. It's not about somebody who's an authority that has a right to tell you what to do. It's about conditioning to drive people in one direction to where you won't fellowship with one another. You won't touch one another. You will distrust. This is where this is what Jesus said. Many will betray one another. You won't trust the people that are around you. I watch sometimes people. And I was just out of my mouth say, you know what? You're not going to catch nothing for me. <laughs> and I'll shout something or yell something. It's amazing where people will start to laugh. And it's almost like a diffusing of pressure. But, folks, this is what's happening. And people got thick masks on and still going halfway around the world not to get you. Now, you say, why would you talk about these things? And important because... Satan is the one who really is attempting to condition people. He's trying to set things up for what he wants to do. And I just don't believe that, at first of all, as God's people, and secondly, as a supposedly free people, that we're supposed to let somebody put clamps and chains on us in areas where we're supposed to have liberty and exercise that liberty. You might have to be different. And you cannot be afraid to be different. I was thinking, I remember when I was when I was growing up and I remember, man, I like Walt Frazier. He was my favorite basketball player when I was young. And he was the kind of guy that was out of the box. He was out of the box the way he dressed just in, in general and on the court as well. And I remember looking one time at his his sneakers. He used to wear Converse, white hot Converse high tops. This is before he came out with his own Puma line. And he would he, he laced them up, but he had one hole there that he skipped. And I thought, I like that. And so I laced my sneakers like that. Later on, when the Pumas came out, I wore one one color, one another color. It's different. It's that fun being different. Creative, whatever. What I'm saying here is people cannot be afraid because the herd is going one way doesn't mean it's the right way. It does not mean it's the right way. And as a Christian, it may be that you just might need to stand out and be different. And your standing out and being different may affect somebody else. And that might get on them and they may not be afraid to be different because they see somebody else that's not afraid. And who knows if we all do our little piece. 
and not be scared, but everybody do their piece, we're going to affect a lot of people. And I believe that this is, I mean, it has got to be, grassroots has got to be the primary way that people are going to be affected today. It's going to have to be a one-on-one deal. We're going to have to touch people one-on-one. I had another, another conversation, very interesting one. And this guy just came up to me and asked me what I thought about what, you know, BLM. For those who don't know what I mean, Black Lives Matter. And he said, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're black and you're a minister. What do you think about it? And so I answered his question in a roundabout way. I took him all through history and brought him up to the present. And it was interesting what he said to me. Because he's the kind of guy with what he does, he has access to things that are going on in the airways. And he said, you know, it's quite interesting. He said, if the normal news media knew what you had to say, they wouldn't have you on. So he said, they would not have you on. He said, because they don't want to hear that. And I thought that was interesting. And then I told him what part of my dream is as a minister for the church, for our nation, and for our young people. And I said, I want to see the church rise up. And I told him, I said, the church never should have shut down and should never have allowed themselves to be shut down. Never. Amen. (laughs) Never should allow themselves to have been shut down. And I said, I don't know, you know, where you are. I said, when we go back to to basic principles of our country and we look at just something simple as the Bill of Rights and we look at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I started going off on some of them. And of course, he is interesting because he was familiar. And he said, um, I said, in that first one, it tells us Congress ain't not supposed to do anything to keep churches from being established, meeting, period. Doesn't matter what's going on. They don't have that authority. I said, you take the next one. They don't have the authority to keep people from bearing arms. I don't care what the deal is. And so we went on. And then I told him, I said, you know what I would like to see? I want to see the churches get their thing together. And I said, I want to see people on this land get things together and understand what America is supposed to be about. And I said, I want to see some young people catch a hold of these things and begin to do something about it. He looked at me, he said, you know, I think you're too optimistic. I said, maybe. I said, but you know what? I'm going to be optimistic. And I said, I'm going to sow seeds, I'm going to water them, and I'm going to do what my part is to dispense truth and dispense knowledge. Now, in starting off today, for whatever that's worth to you, who are here, who are watching, it's on you. I'm going to tell you what, I don't care what goes on in my life. There's some things that I'm committed and sold out to. And what I've shared with you today is something that will never change where my life is concerned. Because I believe that that's what God wants for his church, for this land, 
for his people and especially for his young people. We talked about how stuff has been taken out of books because people don't want you to know the truth. The devil doesn't want people to know the truth. And I said, so there's got to be a way to get these things back into the lives of people. And so we're going to do it. We need to continue to confess and encourage others to confess that I will not be deceived. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. I know there are times we can be offended. There are times that all kind of things can go on. But we've got to challenge ourselves and make sure that we keep that at the forefront of our thinking and our, our, our lips. We need to confess and declare, I will not be deceived. Because I'm telling you the way that things are flying around in the atmosphere, there's some people that you're going to think are going to be true and they got something in their hip pocket. And there's some people who are going to be true and honest and somebody is going to come out and say, they really got something in their hip pocket. They want to deceive you. There's going to be so much stuff flying around the atmosphere. We need to declare continually, I will not be deceived. And we need to challenge people to say that themselves. Now, Jesus said something here. He told us that no man, no one can serve two masters. No one. And I like to park there in my, in my mind because what Jesus is stating here, he's stating an impossibility. He said, you cannot do it. He said, well, yes, I can. He said, no, you can't. And when we find out the meaning of serving and we find out the meaning of master, then we realize what he's saying is absolutely true. You can't serve Two masters. That Greek word for serve is a word that means to be a slave to, to be in bondage or service to. So you're only going to be able to totally and completely serve or be in bondage to one or the other. Because you're only going to be able to hold to one. When one comes along and says something different. You're going to make a choice as to who you're going to adhere to. And if you have put all your marbles in this particular basket, somebody else comes along and tries to tell you something else. You're not going to flow with that. If your commitment is to be a servant. The word master here is word curios. And it means supreme in authority. Lord, Lord with a little L, Lord with a capital L, master, sir, or God. What a lot of folks don't realize is back in history, and this is way back in the day that like back in the times of the, the, the church in its early days. That the people were challenged to declare Caesar is Lord. And if they did not declare him as Lord, there were consequences. This word curious is the same word. It's the word that was used when John talked about being in the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's Day. And when he was talking about being in the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's Day, he wasn't talking about Sunday, the day that we go to church. He's talking about the day of, of Caesar worship. In fact, the reason that's why he was in the Isle of Patmos, because he didn't want to roll with that. I think today, if, if today's brand of Christianity were living back then, I don't know what would happen to most of us. 
because the spiritual intestinal fortitude doesn't seem to be the same. These are people that had to stand up and, and, and hold to their confession. And it was a little bit more for them, uh, a little bit more of a concern than being run out of Walmart. <laughs> because they didn't wear a mask. It's a bit more serious than that. It was maybe getting your house burnt down or you having to go through the fire. Or your family being taken away from you or all kind of crazy things, your livelihood, whatever you possess, it being snatched by the so-called government. Because you would not confess that the emperor was Lord. See, so now when Jesus talks here, he says, no man can serve two masters. You cannot have two lords. You can't have two sirs, two gods. Now, I. But this was interesting in the way that we're going to go. And I told you where we're going to be traveling here about it's, it's all about provision, because really everything in our lives is all about who's going to be the source of our supply. There are two forces at work. One is good from God. The other one is satanic. God put his thing out all out there at the beginning when he made man refurbished the earth. Got the Garden of Eden ready, had all that kind of good stuff, everything in there. And then he placed the man and the woman in there in that good environment that had everything that they needed to have. When they fell, something different came along. And then there was this Lord that came along that wanted to change the rules and how man was provided for. And so what he did is he started concocting a system. To where man would be able to have things, but there was going to be a price. See, God's stuff was free. But this, 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 this outlaw spirit decided to come up with a system that rather than men being able to have things freely given to them, which God made the earth for man and woman and everything in it was to be free for them. Rather than it be that way, he said, you know what? I'm going to design something to where they got to come to my system, get it my way, and I'm going to put some hurt on them. I'm going to oppress them if they do it my way. See, this thing is very real, man. Now, now look at Proverbs 22, 7. This is going to get you. I, I, they're, they're all, I, I, I love this because so many things that we're familiar with and have read as we keep growing in the Lord and we hear the same scriptures, something else is going to jump out at you. And you will see how it connects many times with what we're talking about the present time. This scripture is going to do that today. Proverbs 22, 7. Because it's going to be in the light of Matthew 6, 24 through 34. 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Servant. And that word, Hebrew word, their servant means bond servant. You know what bond servant is? We'll touch on it a little bit because it's very interesting. Very, very interesting. This word is used in reference to the Messiah in Isaiah 42, 1. 
when, when, when the, uh, the father calls him servant, the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, you know that, right? Okay. <laughs> and it's also used in the book of Exodus 21. And I want us to read this scripture because this, this will help us a lot with this definition. Exodus 21, verses 2 through 6. I hope you all out there still pray for me. And y'all too, man. I hope you do. Exodus 21, let's start from verse 2. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. But now listen to this. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him forever. Now, notice. With this servant, there was nothing that said he had to stay. He made a choice to stay in that. Right. And he said, I love my master. I don't want to go out. I want to stay. So this servanthood that's being talked about, being a bond servant here, is something that's done by choice. Tell somebody it's done by choice. Tell somebody else it's done by choice, please. It's done by choice. So it's a servant who chooses to remain loyal to his master when he has the choice to go out free. Now, this is important because this word is used for servant in Proverbs 22, 7. It's the same word. Ebed. And so it says the rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is servant to the lender. That means the borrower had to make a choice to go to the lender. And when when the borrower made the choice to go to the lender and became the servant, he did it by choice. Nobody puts a noose around our neck. And makes us sign any papers. We choose to. One of the biggest mistakes that I made in life was signing a note on this church. And I thought I was doing a good thing. I went against my conscience. I thought I was doing a good thing because I didn't want to see my church family roaming all over the place. But it was real interesting because once we got in here, then people started leaving. 
It's real interesting. Never had a serious financial issue all the days of the church up to that point. Never did. Had challenges, yeah. One of the biggest challenges we had was one year we went to a camp meeting and we had two people write checks that like, like a, a, came up to somewhere between three and five thousand dollars they, and they bounced. We're out of town. <laughs> I think that's probably was the biggest challenge we had that I can recall. There was always money there. There was money in the bank. We saved money for a building. It was accumulating. But once we signed that note, everything started to go backward almost immediately. It's a serious thing. And especially when it has to do with what belongs directly to the kingdom of God and the work of God. Because, see, no church, no ministry is meant to be servant to the world. That is a schizophrenic thing. Some people may not like it, but I'm going to tell you what, this, this, this kind of stuff will jump out at you. These scriptures will jump out at you. The borrower is servant to the lender. Now, check it out. If we say we're servants of the Lord, how? Uh, let me give you some illustrations. Let's just say that God wants us to have this place. We're, we're talking about starting at the beginning. And we, we, it's totally and completely free of any kind of indebtedness. And we have that on one side and we have on the other side. OK, same deal, same building, same land. And there's a note on it. Here comes the Lord walking through the congregation one day and prophet stands up. Lord's been dealing with the pastor, been dealing with the leadership. You know what? I believe we need to sow this building and this land into somebody else's ministry. Now, you take the two different scenarios here. If that word comes up and it's from the Lord. If you own it, it's yours. And you know, it's God that spoke that. He said, hey, y'all, come on, we need to sit down and talk. The Lord has told us we need to give this to y'all. <laughs> but on the other hand now, <laughs> yeah, they be told, the Lord is so good, all that kind of wonderful. That's why I did that. Okay. But on the other hand here, now we have this note on it, and the Lord speaks. What you going to do? It belongs to somebody else. You can't give away what belongs to somebody else. You say, but I own it. I got the name. I know I got the name. I signed the note, but you don't own it. Because somebody else is the supply. And it belongs to them until. It don't mean nothing to covenant love. His name was on that. Nicholas Wright was underneath it. Don't mean that means nothing when it comes to who it really belongs to. You find out who it really belongs to when you don't pay. And the ones who own it don't have mercy on you. That's right. You find out who the car belongs to when you miss about three and maybe the fourth payment. You find out who it really belongs to. You say, but, but, but I went to the dealership and I signed for it. That's mine. Yeah, right. Just don't pay. I just changed three. Don't, no, no, I don't want to challenge you. But, but let, let three plus months go by. It may not make three months now. In some instances. Some people are praising God for COVID-19. 
because it helped them some. But anyway, here's so this is the point I'm making. What 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 God is saying here is that the borrower is servant to the lender. So now what what Satan has cleverly designed, because this was not in the Garden of Eden. There was nothing in the Garden of Eden that put a man or a woman in debt to Satan except sin. When it came along and was answered to. Before that. The way God made it, everything was free. Remember, we read yesterday. He said, of all the trees of the garden, you may what? Freely eat. You had to sign a note. But God said, you know, okay, can I borrow 10 apples for, you know, 12 orange trees or, you know, and do I need to sign my name? No, that's not what he did. So now, serving mammon as a master has an obvious reference to debt by usury, surety, and fraud, particularly with reference to the necessities of life and wages to be paid for labor. I'm going to say that again. Serving mammon as a master has an obvious reference to debt by usury, surety, and fraud, particularly with reference to the necessities of life and wages to be paid for labor. It's one of the reasons why when James was talking about the rich people defrauding those, they held back their wages that were that belonged to them. For their people labored for their, their money or whatever it is they were going to get. But somebody held back those wages by fraud. Most everybody on this land is having some of their wages kept back by fraud. Listen, not me. You're right. You fill out a W-4 every year? That answers the question right there. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you some truth. That's all I'm doing. I'm trying to tell you what to do. I'm telling you truth. And that whole system is fraudulent. So, well, you're going to have, have taxes for being a rose and all that. That's not what it's going to. Something called the International Monetary Fund. So what people are working for and laboring for they're not getting all of it. Some of them getting hardly any of it. It's amazing over the years how we watched the taxes that people pay now are about how much percent of what you. Like Pharaoh getting his fifth or 20 percent, ain't he? At least. It's crazy. I'm just I'm just telling you this, this is the fact. You can look at your own stuff. You can tell. So if if somebody labors for something. They're supposed to be able to receive of the fruit of their labor. But if somebody else is taking it, there's a problem. So that's the part of the fraud that James talked about. That's right. He mentioned it. I know these are things a lot of folk don't talk about. Some people don't know. Some people scared. 
I don't, I could care less. I could care less. I got one guy to answer to. And if he puts it in my heart to tell things that are true, I don't care what anybody else thinks or says, threatens or what. I don't care. You know, I'm not wearing your mask in Jesus' name. Serving mammon as a master has an obvious reference to debt by usury, surety and fraud, particularly with reference to the necessities of life. Now, this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew six. The necessities of life. When he talking about the necessities of life, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. And of course, we would expand that today because we drive. We fly or whatever, you know, whatever is a necessity of life. And so he said, mammon and the father, they're in positions where they want to be the ones who take care of you where the necessities of life are concerned. How much do we go to that system to get the necessities of life? How much do we go to God alone and how much do we go to Mammon. Just a question that we have to answer. It's real interesting. We're just talking. We're not even talking about going beyond with just stuff you want, luxuries and all that kind of stuff. We're just talking about what Jesus, he, he didn't even go that far. He just said the necessities of life. Mammon is competing to be the provider for people and the necessities of life. Only thing they're doing it with a hook in it. Still here? I'm just checking. Because we're going to get this out. Now, God gives freely. Satan, mammon, quote unquote, supply with strings attached that produce bondage, poison, suffocation, and death. It's going to amaze you what some of these words mean when we look at them. Debt. Let's look at 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 2. So why are we here to talk about these things, Pastor? Because God wants us as his people to figure out what's going on. First Samuel 22, verses 1 through 2. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Now, I mean, there's more than a few things here you could look at, but I find it amazing that David, David attracted these cats and they were almost like, excuse my language, but like the scum of the earth. But what he made out of them was amazing that God did through him and they became his mighty men. But notice the ones that came to him. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, that word Hebrew word debt means to lend on interest. So the ones who had, you think back then too? Yeah, man, this has been going on a long time. And think about it like this. 
the way God told them in the law, they weren't even supposed to do that to each other. They weren't, they weren't supposed to do that to each other. Now Israel wasn't supposed to do that to each other, but they were doing it. And so the ones that were that way, they came to David. They said, hey, dude, what are we going to do? <laughs> now, what's interesting, if we look at Leviticus 23, excuse me, 25, there's this word usury that's there. Sometimes we don't figure out all this in the Bible until we start looking at things specifically. And we see how much is there. Leviticus 25, verses 35 through 38. If one of your poor brethren becomes poor, if one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into poverty among you, then you shall help him like a stranger or a sojourner that he may live with you. Take no usury or interest from him, but fear your God that your brother may live with you. So you know what? All these folks that are charging people interest have no fear of God. Just thought I'd kind of stick that in. You shall not lend him your money for usury, nor lend him your food at a profit. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Now, that word usury is interesting because it's a word that means interest on a debt, and it comes from a root word that means to strike with a sting as of a serpent. Don't let that pass over your head. I'm just, that's what the word means. To strike with a sting as a serpent, and notice what else? To oppress with interest on a loan. Don't tell me that interest is not an oppression. It can be an oppression just because you think about the fact that they're getting more than I'm paying for. They're taking more than what is supposed what I got is supposed to be worth. And then if you happen not to have a job or lose your job or your means of income, then people don't believe in Jubilee. Oh, yeah, we just let it have it. Not unless you get a move of God there. They still want their stuff with interest. Hello? Hello? <laughs> they don't care that you don't have any income. Now, let's finish this today. The father gives richly and freely. See, you know, I'm going to tell you something. The, one of the reasons that, that God has taken us taking his people and want to bring these things out because what we're talking about right now, according to what Jesus said and what the Bible teaches, is what's got a cap on most of the church's prosperity because we're trying to serve two masters. That's where the cap is. That's where the cap is. And I know a lot of folks, we don't want to hear it, but that's where the cap is. People tithe for decades. 
Sow seeds for decades. And then they're going to get offended on no return and not realizing one of the major reasons that stops it. It's because we're trying to serve two masters. Say we trust God. But when it comes down to the bottom line, we believe that the supplies got to come from somewhere else. And if it don't, we ain't going to get what we want or need. Say amen, y'all. <laughs> Just tell the facts. This is what this is where Jesus, Jesus told us you can't serve two. It's impossible. And he said, who? If the borrower is servant to God. No, that's not what it said. The borrower is servant to the lender. So whoever the lender is. Servant to the lender. Servant to the lender. Servant to the lender. You're going to do what the lender tell you to do. If you want to keep your stuff or keep their stuff. You know what? If no, if nobody ever would listen, maybe some of you guys would decide with where you are in life to start looking into things more deeply. And make some changes for your lives and your children that are to come. And not just keep playing this stupid old game that Satan has set up to rip everybody off that won't dig in and find out what's going on. This is a major issue. And it's a major issue because it is worldwide. The system is set up for it being worldwide. That's why the same system that's been established on this land with all the numbers that we're given for stuff and all the bank accounts, the birth certificates and all that kind of stuff. You think it's just on American soil? No, 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 no. And matter of fact, that's what what, what the, the one world order that we have talked about so much as God's people. In the book of Revelation and all this kind of stuff, we don't pay attention to what's really going on right now. And then we don't want to deal with that part of it. It says it's already established here and it's in control of people's lives and not just on one piece of land, but it's for control of every nation. Why well, you think there's an international monetary fund? So you see, folks, the church has got to wake up. We have to wake up. We have to wake up. So God says, I give you freely everything. Romans 8, 31 through 32. Somebody said, I heard these scriptures. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I heard them too. Read them too. Confess them too. I know. But now here's the deal. When we're going to get in the trenches with our shovels and stuff and start digging and start determining that we're going to pull on this stuff. I'm not talking about one here, one there. I'm talking about the churches. I'm talking about people making decisions. Romans 8, 31, 32. What shall we then say to these things? 
If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also give us all things on a 22% loan? How shall he not give us freely, freely? You got to put that in here. Freely. I'm going to tell you one of the things that we'll start to do is it will start to move us towards not looking at money as being the only means by which we can receive things. And that's one of the big issues that many people have is they only see, well, I only got these few dollars. How am I going to get that? It's kind of like thinking about Jesus said, I ain't got but a few loaves and fishes. How am I going to feed all these people? Guess I might have to hold that stuff up to God and pray. Ah, 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 ah. Pray, pray. See, but, but many folks feel they don't have any power if they don't have green in their pocket. And so where we go is limited by how much green we have in our pocket. I'm sorry y'all don't like this today. It's my, my bad. I must have missed God. I'm just, mess, I'm just messing around. Because <laughs> I know I didn't. See, he said freely. The last time I checked free, that means NSA. Young people ought to be able to figure that one out. <laughs> no strings attached. No strings attached. Now, I know in the context that you normally see that. (laughs) But just let your mind go out and step beyond sex, okay? God says, I ain't got one string attached to what I give you. If I give it to you, it's yours. And it's free. And so if you happen to want to decide to sow it into somebody else's life, you are free to do that. And if I happen to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what, let's invest that in somebody else's life. You know what? We don't have to go to somebody else to get permission to do it. If we receive freely from him. Freely. See, listen, listen to me. Here we are. We men and women on the earth have such a problem with free stuff. That's why we have problems receiving from God. Most of us can't receive from another man or woman without thinking they're trying to get something. I don't say amen too loud. (laughs) You start giving and, 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 and giving things to people. What are you trying to get from me? What do you want? What she want? What are you trying to do? 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 Give you something? That's what you're trying to do. But see, we have such an issue feeling like we've got to work for and earn everything that it becomes hard even to receive free things from the Father. 
Brother Hagin said, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. <laughs> but see, he says freely. I believe these, things, these are things that need to roll around in our meditators, man. And the Holy Spirit's got to have something to work with on the inside of us because he said the Father's done free stuff here. You still with me? Didn't check out yet, did you? 1 Timothy 6, 17. First Timothy six seventeen, charge those that are rich in this world that they be not high minded, nor trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God who gives us. Oh, God, here it is again. Gives us, gives us. What does it mean when somebody gives you something? They give it, didn't loan it to you. Give you richly. This is what he said, richly. All things to enjoy. You don't enjoy the fullness of something when you got a note hanging over your head. And especially if you become in jeopardy of not being able to handle that note. But see, God said, hey, it's free. Enjoy it. There are a lot of Christian people that have a problem with that word enjoy, too. <laughs> Think we're supposed to enjoy stuff. He said, enjoy it. Have a good time with it. Amen. And then 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through Paul, by the Holy Spirit, said, therefore, let no one boast in men. For a few things are yours. Oh, boy, he's talking to the church. He said, all things are yours, whether it's Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's." He said, it don't matter whether it's the ministry gifts the world, life or death, things present or things to come. He said, all this stuff belongs to the people of God. And then he said, and you will belong to Christ. And then Christ belongs to God. Amen. So everything going to go right back to his source, which is the father. Right. Say these things, you know what? And I'm, I'm going to tell you this. The ministry has a job to do today. And if we're going to do it, it's not going to be comfortable. I'm just shooting straight. It's not going to be comfortable. There's some things that are not going to be popular. And some of us can stand around and rah, 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 and come up with all kind of stuff and try to make people feel good. But I'm going to tell you what, there's some people going to split hell because of split hell wide open because of that. And there's some believers that are going to be disappointed and offended because of that, because nobody gets up in their face and tells them what's really going on. And I remember when I first realized I was called to the ministry, I said, you know what, Lord? I said, because you know what I, well, you know what I hungered for? I hungered for a pastor that would tell me the truth. I 
That's what, that was, in my Christian life, that was a, a, a hunger of my life. I wanted a pastor that would tell me what this book says and challenge me to live by the whole thing. And I never was fully satisfied. I never was fully satisfied. Because even in my younger days, I knew more than a bunch of pastors that were preaching their word. I said, ain't supposed to be. That's not supposed to be. And so I say, Lord, when you let me start opening my mouth, what you put in it, I'm going to put out there. And you're going to let me, you're going to help me show people how to deal with it and walk in it. So whoever's listening, y'all can make whatever decisions you want to make. But I'm going to tell you what, this is one preacher. I don't care what's going on in my life. I don't care if I were to stumble and fall tomorrow. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to tell you what this thing says. I'm going to tell you what it says. And I'm going to challenge you like I wanted to be challenged. And I still want to be challenged. Because I look at stuff in here and I read and I think, oh, Lord, you ain't got nowhere near hold of that yet. But I ain't throwing my Bible in the bathtub and saying, forget it. But keep walking, keep walking, and keep pushing forward. If you hang around here, if you hang around, that's what you're going to get. But I tell you what, the rewards will be great. And if Jesus were to come tomorrow, and this is your attitude, he'd be very happy with you because you decided that you're going to live by this word. And whatever is a challenge to you that you have not mastered, that you've made the decision that you're going to master it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time for the church to break away from that system. It doesn't matter what we've seen people do or not do. Who did this and didn't do that. I don't care what they have or don't have. Here's what I do with myself. I'm going to put my blinders on. And I'm not going to look to the right or to the left at what they did or did not do. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I had some we had some stuff go on where some folks didn't do stuff they said they were going to do. Should have done and didn't do. And we could look to the right and to the left and say, that ain't fair. And it ain't fair. There are decisions that were made where our lives are concerned that we had no control over. That should have been. But you know what? Let thine eyes look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Look not to the right nor to the left. And I would encourage you to do that today. Last thing. We read a scripture in the beginning here. that talked about offenses. That many would be offended. You need to make a personal decision in your life. Not to let any offense take you down. There will be great and grand opportunities. But this is where every single one of us will have to grow up and be a big boy and be a big girl in Christ. Because if you don't make that decision, the offenses will take you down. Somebody said, but it's not fair. I don't care. It's not fair. It's not fair. I agree with you. Come on. Give me a high five. We agree. It's not fair. Okay. We settled that. It's not fair. It's not fair. 
but it happens. And you just got to make a decision. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to grow up. And I'm not going to stumble and I'm not going to fall. In Jesus' name. Father, we love you today. We're always thankful to you for what you sow into our lives. We take no credit, no glory of our own for it. We just shuffle it all back to you. You help us to distinguish truth and error in our hearts and in our minds. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's our helper with that. Father, may we in this place and those who are whose ears are open to what you say through us hear everything exactly the way that you want them to hear it. Lord, thank you today. And thank you for every father out there. We thank you for you, the, the big daddy. And for every other one, wherever they may be, whoever they are. And whether they've been perfect or not, we pray for them right now. Your blessing would be upon their lives. And for those who don't have, maybe never did have, those who steered away from the faith or whatever never came to it. In the name of Jesus, we forgive and release them. We ask you to help them. And in whatever voids or gaps are in our lives, we ask you. As the father who said, when your father and mother forsake you, I'll take you in. May we look to you to take us in, fill up all the gaps, be everything that we need. Because you know how to be a good, good father. And we honor you more than any dad today. We honor you, father. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you for your mercy over us, oh God. It endures forever. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you, father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Today, there might be someone who's watching. You might watch later on down the line. But we want to pray a prayer with you. That will make Jesus available to you. And the Heavenly Father that we sang about earlier available to you. The scripture teaches us. That Jesus gave himself for every one of us, that he suffered, he died, went to hell for us, was raised from the dead by the glory of the father and made a way for every single one of us to be raised up together and sit together with him in heavenly places. If you'd like to have him in your life and you don't have him, if you're not sure about where you stand with him, you can pray with us right now. God will always be available. Other people might not, but he will always be available. When you're by yourself in the middle of the night, can't figure things out, he'll always be available. He'll always be available. So if you would, just pray this simple prayer with us. Oh, God in heaven, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and that you did it for me. With my mouth, I do what the scriptures teach. I say with my mouth, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. And as the scripture says, make me a new creation. Somebody that never existed before. And I receive you right now. And I receive new and fresh life inside of me right now. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I may not know who he is, 
But this preacher is telling me there's a Holy Spirit. And so I receive him helping me in my life to understand the scriptures and to lead me in a path that's right. Right now, I don't know anything, God, except for what I just prayed and what I just heard. Educate me from the inside out and then send me teachers. They'll give me exactly the truth that I need. I trust you to do that. And I thank you for it. In Jesus name, Jesus name, Jesus name. You could be on the other side of the world. But where we're located here in Texas is 5201 Davis Boulevard, North Richland Hills, Texas, 76180. If there's something that you need to read, listen to or something to help you with the decision that you made today, you can write. You can call. We'll give you what we have that can help. In Jesus name. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.